Well, hey, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Frontline Community Church's weekly podcast. We're a church based in Ramstein, Germany, and we have a simple mission, and that's to love God, to love others, and to help others love God. Now, we do this by being real, relational, and relevant. Now, as you listen to our podcast today, we hope that you're blessed and that your journey with Jesus Christ becomes stronger than ever. God bless you. My name's John Maroos. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, it is good to see you guys. I got one announcement, and then Pastor Chris is going to re-announce this after the service because we're that excited about this. We are starting a new Wednesday gathering, uh, a new Wednesday Bible study starting this Wednesday, you guys. This Wednesday. Some of you are going, I'd like to clap, but I don't know what it's about. It's called Grace Through the Eyes of Jesus. It's going to be an interactive Bible study. You're going to get to participate. Uh, I don't know what that looks like yet, but you'll have fun. But we are literally going to learn how to deal with crazy people. We should have got like a hallelujah right there, you guys. This world's full of crazy people, including us. We got, a, we got our own brand of crazy. Um, but we're going to look in the Bible, and we're going to look through the eyes of Jesus, and we are going to learn how he deals with atheists and religious people and prostitutes and different races and racism and government officials, just all these different walks of life and how he navigates through them. Um, I walk around saying, thou shall not kill, thou shall not kill, thou shall not kill. He walks around saying, I'm going to transform you, I'm going to transform you. So it's going to be a good study. Starting today at 12 o'clock, you can save a seat because we're going to be limited in seating. Uh, So that starts today at 12 o'clock, and Chris will hit that on the way out. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Go to Matthew chapter 20. If you have them, if you don't, don't sweat it. We'll put all these verses up on these screens. Write this stuff down. I'll make them as simple as I can. I realize that there's people here from all different walks of life. There are people who grew up sleeping in church because it's been terribly boring. Amen? I'm repping you right now. Uh, There's some of us who are uh, on a trajectory uh, to know God in new ways. So I want to make this accessible to everybody, no matter where you're at. I remember the first time I walked into church when I was 20. I grew up an atheist. I tell this story all the time. My father was a genius. He was also an alcoholic, uh, an abusive man. Um, And so he he kind of injected atheism. And I'll talk about that a little bit uh, in the sermon And so I was very skeptical of church. I thought they ate people when you went in church. I thought they'd eat you or something. Turned out my life was changed, not through religion. I didn't want to go from one bondage to another, but I met the Lord. And he has set me on a whole new thing. So let's talk a little bit from the scripture in Matthew 20, and we'll start there. Then we're going to go into Acts chapter 1. But we'll start in Matthew chapter 20. We're in this series we're calling Social. It's because of what's going on in the world right now. And it's hard to track what's going on in the world right now, isn't it? Started with the death of an American, the death of a black man, George Floyd. And we've been talking about that every week. We've been talking about that all week in our staff. Uh, My neighborhood's talking about it, doing great things. Great things are happening in our church. Um, And this thing is multiplied. And many new causes have come out. Uh, Many are causes that need to be addressed. 
Uh, many of them are people who are tired of being in homes, and they're getting some craziness out of them right now. But nonetheless, we've got social problems. Amen? We got social problems in our world. We always have and we always will. But the cool thing, especially if you're here and you're not a Christian or you're watching on Facebook or YouTube and you're not a believer, I want you to know what Christianity is about. Um, I want to entice you in a good way a little bit because uh, you may have grown up thinking Christianity is part of the problem with society. And so I want to clean some things up and just get you to wrestle with some things. But those of us who are followers of Jesus, I want to set you on a whole new mission today. How's that? I don't play the victim very well. And I'm tired of being on my heels right now. And if we're going to be trapped in a waiting game, I said we go get some things. I said we go and try to make a difference while we're waiting. So today I want to talk about, I think it's part four. Is this part four in our series? I shouldn't be asking you. I should know this. Is it? You, were, you, 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 are, you know this. It's part four? Okay, thank you. I don't know this. I should know this. This is part four to our series called Social. Thank you for paying attention to these sermons. But I'm calling this Power Trip. I'm calling this Power Trip. And we're going to take a power trip today. It's going to be a different kind of power trip. I actually want to empower you to take a trip in the power of the Holy Spirit this week and do something powerful in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. But I got to call this power trip because there's a power trip going on in the world. And really what I want to do here, and maybe you write this down, we'll throw it up behind me, is I want to talk to you about how God calls us to influence people through a different power, through a different power. And I I wish some young people would get a hold of this and be different. Um, It's boring being the same. Everyone thinks they're being different, but really we're all just engrafting into the same movement and look and behavior. I'm looking for some people who want to be radically different and and do something different in this world. So I want to talk to you today about how God calls us to really influence people through a different power, through a different power. How many of you guys know there's the power of God? There's the power of God. We got this thing in the book of Acts, which is just a big letter to a guy named Theophilus. Just a big old letter. And he's telling him that the power of God can come upon a human being. And he can begin to do radically different things in this world. Just think about that. I remember as a drunken 20-year-old who grew up fist fighting and a single parent home. I heard things like this when I first walked into church. And when no one ate me, but they started telling me these things. Like the power of God can come upon you and he can change your heart. And instead of hurting people, you can start being an agent of healing in this world. It really started capturing my attention. And now I'm experiencing it for myself. And every human being who walks the earth can have the power of God on them and begin to change and influence lives around them. But I got to ask you a question first, and I want you to answer. Are you ready? Why do people want power so bad? And when I say people, I'm bringing myself into this. Why do every one of us want power? Who said that? Control. Who said that? Back here. From the sound booth, all the way from the sound booth. The guys are paying attention. You're not just messing with knobs. Control which tells us all of us feel out of control. And if we, if we can attain a position or an office or a badge or a title, and it comes in so many different forms, and we can be over people, we can feel like we're in control. All of us struggle with that. I'm raising my hand. Why else do we struggle with power or desire power? Fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of not being known. 
And if I can, if I can be up here, Dondria, over someone and, and I can dominate or something like that, I, I, can, I can do away with that fear. I can have security and I can have identity as someone in this world. So many reasons why people want power. Why people want power. And uh, largely it's at the core of so many of our problems. And the Bible constantly speaks to this. It's always talking about this. If you think about your kids. How many of you guys got kids? Raise your hand. How many of you guys don't want to talk about kids right now? All right. So think about how early on the struggle for power happens between you and your kids. I'm preaching the Bible right now. Day one. They scream, you bounce. And then, uh, and then the teen years, you know, what you guys are doing, if you're a teenager watching or whatever, um, you guys are trying to come into your own. It's a hard time of, uh, of life because you're stuck between adolescence and adulthood, and, and you're trying to, to, to get that place of control in this place in this world, in this place of authority, yet you gotta, you got to keep answering to authority. And I think the reason why power is so difficult in our world is because throughout your day, you're coming in and out of it. Do you know that? Now I'm going to try not to go down into the darkness. I'm supposed to be in the lights. So I got to be careful coming down into the darkness for the camera. But just check it out right here. Here's what we do all through our days. Like when I, when I go to work, when I start at home, I'm down here. I've got no authority. I'm just kidding. My wife is sweet. But when I go to work, I come up here. But then I got to go talk to some officials that uh, run our church. And then I come down here a little bit. Now some of them I'm still over. Okay, and then I go back to work and I talk to some of our staff and I go back up here. Then I go back home and I come back down here. Amen. You shouldn't say amen right there. And so it's a tiring thing to try to figure out all these roles of power that we have to play. And then there's this weird inner motive that says, once I'm up here, or if I'm here and I still got people down here, I'm doing this for a reason it's not, it's not designed to do. And so what's happening in the world right now are many things, but one of the things I want to teach you guys about as I'm learning it, one of the major things that we're seeing on the news that we call chaos is actually a power struggle. It's a power struggle. I'll start with George Floyd. That's a power struggle. That's a man who's desperately broken, a white officer who... Who feel, and I don't want to speak for him because I don't know his heart. All, all we see is this terrible eight minutes. But, but what you saw is this, this power, this control. He was doing something. He was doing something for this man, and it ended another man's life. And then what we see is riots. Oh, by the way, do you know, um, I was thinking about power. My wife and I were talking about power. I was asking for it back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's sweet. She's going to kill me after this sermon. Um, but I was talking to her about power, and I was saying, you know, the most powerful form of power is slavery. And there are 21 million slaves in the world today. Today. Many in India, many in Asia. And uh, that is the ultimate form of, of godness. It's playing God is what it is. It's saying, I dominate you. I'm master. But I was thinking about that, thinking of these different realms of power that we see. If you think about murder, um, don't watch too much of it. But if you've ever had nothing to do during the coronavirus and you watch too much Dateline or 48 Hours Mystery, you know that people who murder, who take lives, they all say the same thing. They say, I was in control. I was in power. And the ultimate, ultimate form of power is slavery and then taking a human life. It's playing God. 
If you think about the riots, what it is, it's saying, government, you have too much power, and we're going to take the power back. But what happens when the oppressed take power is they become oppressors every time through history. We don't deal with power well. I was an atheist till I was 20 years old. I didn't want to believe in God. I don't know if I was an atheist. I told myself I was an atheist, but really it was a fear that someone was going to be over me. It was a very scary thing to submit to a God. Um, if you think about debt, I got some of my FPU people here. Amen. All right, there we go. That's a financial peace university. The Bible says that you're a slave to your lender, even debt. The reason that People loan, not all people, but the reason that many people loan is because they know that the interest rate actually puts them over people. That's why the Bible says it's a dangerous thing. Think of gossip. Why do we gossip? Why do we gossip? Don't you love to know your lead pastor gossips about you? No, I'm just kidding. But why do we gossip? Gossip is a form of power. You know things about people and that gives you a form of power. How many of you guys ever been in a job interview and you just feel powerless? Isn't that the worst feeling in the world? Like you're sweating bullets and you just, you're sitting under these questions. You're like, well, you can't really be yourself. And one of the things that the Bible says in Genesis, and I'm going to get to Matthew 20 in just a minute, but I want to set this up. And I want your eyes to be open to power, the power struggle all around us. One of the things that it says in the book of Genesis is when that the first human beings, check this out, were tempted by the devil, wherever you stand with this idea of the devil, think about this. This was put into every human being. The tempter said, if you do this, you will be like God. And now there's this thing in humanity that wants to master. And if you think of the world's definition of power, not, not all power, I don't want to categorically say this, but if you think about most institutions or what wealth can do to people, not all people, but if you think about the world's definition of power, and really I'm talking about the motive behind a position or a badge or uh, an office or authority, and maybe you write this definition of power down, it's really the domination one has over another to feel in control. It's as simple as that. The domination one has over another to feel in control. That's, that's what power is. And I want you to look at Matthew 20, and I want you to see the Jesus followers, because let's not just beat up on, on the world at large. Let me show you the church, because the church has screwed this up before as well. Look at Matthew chapter 20. And uh, you got these guys who are following Jesus around. Where we're at in Matthew 20 is Jesus is walking the earth, and, and he's got this awesome display of power. He is a lion. He's got all the power in the world, yet he's using it in such a marvelous way. And he's got a bunch of people following him, and they come from the gutters, guys. Like, I'm not kidding you. One's a terrorist. I'm not even kidding. Simon the Zealot. Like, literally, he was, like, doing crazy things to the Roman government. And then you got a, a couple fishermen, a couple rich kids. You got, a, a, you got, a, you got twins also. That was weird. And uh, they're like mimicking each other and all this weird stuff. You got this real motley crew following behind Jesus. They are coming from a nobody stance in the world. But now that Jesus is like a rock star, everybody's following Jesus. They felt a form of power. They could walk into towns and the, they were no longer fishermen on reality TV shows in Alaska. They now could look at people, and you can see it all through the scriptures. Like Lachey, they would shoo kids. Get out of here. We're busy. 
We got authority now. And Jesus would say, that's not, that's not the authority I give. So I love this. Watch, watch. Uh, this is so human. So us, Matthew 20, verse 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee. So the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. These are, these are two brothers and they want power. They've been following Jesus around. And what you'll notice is oftentimes Jesus, he's walking like a rabbi down the dirt roads like this. And he's got 12 guys he's teaching on how to live his life behind him. And oftentimes he'll go like this. Jesus will go like this. What'd you just say? And they're like, these guys are clowns. I'm talking about the guys you grew up in the stained glass with. The total knuckleheads. And they're like running into each other like, what do you mean what do we say? You know, it's just comical. Jesus goes, I know, I know you're talking. What did you just say? What are you talking about? And they go like this. Shh, we're not talking about nothing. And I know, it's so crazy. And Jesus would just be like, I'm watching you. I'm not even watching you. I'm reading you. And they would start walking, and they were like kids. They would start pushing, pushing each other. And the Bible says they were arguing who was the greatest. And then one time Jesus turned around and he goes like this, I've got to go to the cross and die for humanity so humanity can know God. I am going to be killed. And they go like this. So I'm totally number one. You're just like, who are these guys? They're followers. They're real people. So here, here it is. Apparently, they couldn't get number one spot, so they went and got their mom, guys. They got their mom. These are grown men. They're like, they, they swing through their hometown and they're like, Ma, just real quick, can you give us five minutes? What do you need five minutes for? Can you go talk to Jesus and see if he'll make me number one and little brother number two? And you know how moms are. Moms, you better say amen. Your kid has never done nothing wrong. All right, so verse 20, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to Jesus with her sons and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. So she's like this. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I just need to. She thought she's in King James language. Thou art the most high, you know. And she's got her baby boys in the back just like, just ask him. Just ask him for number one and two spots. Verse 21. And he said to her, what do you want? <laughs> no, he didn't say it like that. He goes, what do you want? I would have said, what do you want? She said to him, see that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Now, you know who sits on the right hand of God in the kingdom, right? Like, that's the Lord's seat. That's Jesus' seat. She's literally saying, can my son sit in your seat? And it's all about power. It's all about control. Drop down to verse 24. And when the 10 heard it, so the other, the rest of the crew's watching this. They're like, what? Is, you got your mom? You went and got your mom to be over us? And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. They're like, you ain't number one. They start fighting over who's going to be the greatest. Verse 25. But Jesus called them to him, and he whacked him on the side of the head. Now, that's what I would have done. Jesus called them to him, and he very gently says, guys, you know that the rulers of this world love to dominate, love to have power over people. And their great ones exercise authority over people. To be great in this world is to control people. But it's not that way with you. I've come to teach a different way. 
I've come to teach you how to use power differently. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. I'm teaching you a different power posture. Someone, someone better write that on Facebook. I'm teaching you a power posture. The power posture of those who follow Jesus isn't on top dominating. It's down below lifting up. And if you're like me, I'm sitting there like, I don't even get that. I got Western eyes. How do you, how do you be powerful in this world and not be over people and dominate? How does power lift people up? And Jesus says, that's the right side up kingdom I'm trying to teach you. So the use of power is always going to be destructive in our world unless we redefine it and then reconnect it to God's pattern. And I don't know if we're ever going to stop the world from its chaos, but we have a different mission. We do as the church. When I moved to Germany 18 months ago, or whatever it was, 20 months ago. I hadn't slept for like 36 hours because of that flight. And I got here and I stayed. Don't, don't tell anybody this, okay? Don't tell anybody this on YouTube, please. Um, but I, we stayed in a, a couple's house, a church members. And um, I got up the next morning, you guys, and I couldn't see straight. I was so tired. You ever been like that? Like you're just like jet lag to the max. And you know what I did, you guys? I went to make some coffee. I went to make some coffee, and I went and got the coffee pots, the first coffee pot from the cupboard, and I plugged it in. And I put a little adapter on because I'm in Europe now, so I put a little adapter on the, the plug, and I plugged it into the power source, and it, it caught on fire. So don't tell the couple this. They're gone now. They PCS. So let's just keep this between us. But it caught the coffee pot on fire. So I put the coffee pot in the sink and I, I turned the water on and I soaked it and I was so tired. I got, they had another coffee pot. And so I thought, what a Walmart fall apart. And so I got me a second coffee pot and I plugged it in with the same adapter. It was a little, it was a little charred, but I put the same adapter on Dondre and I plugged it back in and I caught it on fire. And I realized that if I plug it into the wrong power source, I'm going to create a fire every time. And see, when we plug power into the wrong power source, it creates a fire every time. But if we can learn to plug power into God's source, his way, we're going to create a healing every time. So let me give you one point. That was good. Someone put that on Facebook. Let me give you one point today. Write this down. This is going to feel very simple, but it's very profound, and you're going to need to think through this. I hope our small groups get together uh, via Zoom and stuff like that and talk about this. But I want to talk to you about God's power is given to us to lift people up, not, not to press people down. And this is very countercultural. This is antithetical to the world. And so let me teach you this from Acts chapter 1, because our same goofball knuckleheads, we meet them in Acts chapter 1. About a year's gone by. They haven't learned much about power. Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 1, do you guys get that point? Write that point down or uh, put it in an iPad or a phone. Um, our guys have now watched Jesus be crucified, which is power subdued. He looked powerless, but he lifted up the worlds. Amazing stuff. And so about a year's gone by, and Jesus has been crucified. He's been raised from the dead. And now they don't know what to do. They've lost power, and that was their biggest concern, that they lost power. 
uh, big brother Jesus is no longer there so they can hide behind him. So now they're down here again. And the Roman government is back up here without the preacher Jesus. And so they don't know what to do with power. And because they still don't get God's version of power, Jesus doesn't go to heaven and stay. He comes back for 40 days. Everyone say 40 days. He's got to come back for 40 days, guys, to teach these guys because they missed the lesson on power. So pick it up in verse 3. Jesus presented himself alive to them. That's the same guys who were arguing for power and got their mom. So he presented himself to them after his sufferings. That means the cross. After he was crucified by many proofs. He walked through walls. <laughs> he did all kinds of wild stuff to say, it's me. And they all were like, no, you're dead. And he's like, I taught you for three years I would die. And then I would come back from the dead. Three years I taught you. Now I'm back for 40 days because you're not getting it. But he appeared to them during 40 days. And speaking about the kingdom of God. Speaking about what it looks like to bring God's authority and power into the world. The kingdom of God. What does it look like when we stop going to church and we start changing a community through the power of God? That's what he's saying. You didn't get the lessons for three years on how the church is not sitting in pews, but going out and living a life so radically different under the power of God, you start changing generations. Verse 4, and while staying with them, so he literally stays with them to teach them. Guys, here's what it looks like to be powerful in the world. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. So don't leave this city. I want you to stay in Jerusalem because power is coming. I want you to wait for the promise of the Father, the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, which he said, you heard from me. A new power is coming. John baptized with water. We don't got time to get into that. But I will submerge you in power from the Holy Spirit in just a few days. And you're going to take that power and change a teenager's life and a co-worker's life and a neighbor's life and your kid's life and a spouse's life. Look at verse 6. So when they had come together, this is day 40, the last day, day 40. He's told them over and over again, I'm going to give you a new power and it's going to be a power to change life, not to dominate life. It's going to be to change life, not to dominate life. 40 days he told them this. On the last day, day 40, when they came together for the last time, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Will, will you at this time give us our kingdom back so we can rule over Rome? If I'm Jesus, I'm like, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. 40 days, he said, I'm not giving you power to dominate humans. That's oppressive. I'm giving you power of love to change human lives. That's gospel. Can we rule over Rome now? Man, Christians. <laughs> what are they asking for? They want a taste of power over Rome. And people who want power over people are not the people who should have power. They wanted to finally dictate the rules. 
They wanted to finally enslave. And you can understand it in part. Like for generations and generations, the Jewish people were enslaved. And, and you know, that's how oppressed, oppressed people feel. They're just like, I, man, it'd just be nice for a while just to have the say. And I'm not saying that, you know, I've been preaching on equality for 20 years. But I've been preaching on equality for the last four weeks. That we've got to change some things. We've got to change some laws. We've got to change the country we love. Um, in the country we believe in, we got to change the country we love here in Germany. And uh, that's going to come through dictating laws. I get that. We believe in equality. But what's so crazy is these guys didn't want equality. They wanted to rule. And that's the scary thing about power. And I'm not saying anybody's saying that today. I'm just saying that's the scary thing when you don't understand God's power. They were about to be the people that they despised. I was talking to a friend of mine, and she goes, do you know within my own people group, we persecute each other? We have power levels in my own people group. And I go, yeah, we do too. Look at Acts 1, verse 7, quick Bible study. Jesus goes like this, I need to teach you what power is and how to use it, and it's going to be awesome. He says in verse 7, he said to them, Mind your own business. It's not for you to know when God's going to send a, set up an earthly kingdom. Quit worrying about your power on this earth. Quit worrying about being over people. That's, that's the Father's business. He's an authority, bud. Pat on the head. He's the man, not you. And I love what he does in verse 8. He shepherds them. But you will receive a different type of power. Stop worrying about this dominating power. I'm going to give you a new power. And I'm going to give you so much of it, you're not going to know what to do with it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's what Jesus just said. Let me break this verse down to verse 8. Jesus just redefined power as this. It's no longer we're going to have offices and badges and all this stuff. That's not wrong, but we're no longer going to look to dominate people. We're not, we're not doing that. I'm going to give you a power of love in your hearts and the power of a people called a church, and I'm going to send you out into the world, and you're going to use the power of love and the power of the church and its resources to restore human life. That's power. That's power, guys. That's gospel power right there. Our power in this room right here is that we have been injected with a new love for all people. Poor people and black people and white people and Asian people and Indian people and rich people and religious people who still don't get it. We've been given a power to love them all. First Thessalonians says, I ain't got to teach you how to love. The love of God invaded you. It's in you. And now we're sent on this mission called work in the park and in Aldi and, and Italy and all these different places. We're set on this mission to go out and find those who are marginalized and, and hurting in any way. And we're to love them and to look at them and say, I've got the answer for you. Jesus Christ can make you whole. And I've got a whole group of wild, radical people who will bring you in and love you like family. And we will restore everything God will allow us to restore in your life. We need to stop going to church and be the church. Amen, Lachey. And that's one of the things I love about Frontline. We get, we get this done. We get this done. I can't tell you. I, there was a period when I first got here and the church was 
growing like crazy. I wouldn't even go to Aldi because like, I, I couldn't just shop. I'd run into people and they'd say, oh, do you go to Frontline? I'd be like, yeah, every now and then. And they don't care about me because they would go, oh, do you know so-and-so? And I'm like, are you kidding? We got four services. I try to know so-and-so. And they would say, oh, so-and-so met me in the frozen food section. My life got changed last Sunday. I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, man, I don't know. We've been spending all this time together, and, and I'm going <laughs> to get choked up right here. <laughs> you guys mess me up. <laughs> but every week, I see this stuff happening. I see it in my village. That's power. That's power. And when you look at verse 8, and he says, see, I, let me just stop. Look up here. The reason I get choked up, I used to be this really tough kid because I, I experienced this in a church. In Seattle, that's the most jacked up place outside of San Francisco in the world. And I pastored in both of those places. But I was in Seattle. I thought churches were cults. I thought they were weird. I thought they, it was a crutch and all this stuff. And then I walked in and I realized how terrified I was and how much I was fighting for control and control and domination and control. That's what the fist fighting was. That's what the drinking was when I couldn't find a place to control. And I walked into this church and these people had this power about them. It was called love. And they, I always wait, I waited for the gimmick. Like, okay, why are you guys being so nice to me? You're creeping me out. When's the offering play coming? Because I ain't got no money. I drank it away, you know. I ain't got no money for you guys. And, and they just kept loving me. They kept inviting me over to their houses. And they just kept being my friends. And it was weird. It's like, man, you guys don't even have to get drunk to be friends. Like, what's the matter with you people? And then I felt this power because they said, John, what do you need emotionally? I'm like, I need a lot of help emotionally. And they would teach me and they would be there for me. I... I was asked over and over, you know, what do you guys need maritally with, with, with your relationship? We're like, we don't even know how to be married. And they said, well, I, we had this couple, older couple, and Dodger, they taught us how to be married. Like, literally, they taught us how to be married. Uh, mentally, my, my, my thinking was all screwed up. And they said, can we just restore your thinking by teaching you God's word and just walk them with you? So spiritually, emotionally, mentally, even physically, they had a power as a community to give back what the world stole. That's power. That's gospel power. That's Christian power. And when he says in verse 8, you will be my witnesses that this is real, that this power is real. There's a community that wants to bring you to God and restore the broken pieces in your life emotionally with your identity, with where you belong in this world, you go be my witnesses that there's a place called the church that can do it. And I love what he does. I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And oftentimes in the church, we've been taught that that starts like at home, neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. That's not what it says. That's talking about race. That's talking about people who don't look like those Jews who Jesus is speaking to. Jerusalem is very Jewish. Judea is on the outskirts. It's a little Greek. Samaria, they call them half-breeds. The ends of the earth. We don't even know what races are out beyond the Roman Empire. He is saying, I want you to go to all people and all races, and I want you to show them that if they're broken, they can find healing through love and the gospel and through the community of the church. That is is God's power. 
God's power is not dominating rule, but the power of the exodus, the God who liberates those in bondage. It's liberation. And when you think of the cross, the Christian posture of power is never from above. It's from underneath. Jesus Christ did not die above us up here. He was suspended between heaven and earth to say, I'm trying to bring man and God together. Philippians 2 says, he came down and took the posture of a slave to lift us up. That's power. If someone's got power, they've got strength. Strength to lift people up who are tired and broken and restore them this way. That's power. That's Christ-like power. And this is the call of the church. It's not pressing down, but pushing up through love. It's trying to pull those up, lift those up, who are broken spiritually, emotionally, physically. That is what it looks like to truly be put on a display of power. And now it makes sense why Jesus says the greatest among you serve. What he means there is not the greatest among you serve in the kids' ministry, although we need that help. He means when you're serving, when you're running into people randomly all the time and you see the look in the eyes, you know, it takes five seconds to get into a combo with someone to find the hurts. Five seconds. And the power comes from this, this igniting love that God puts in us towards another human being who looks at that person and they're like, you're just like, dang, man. And you're hearing their story. The greatest among you will serve. What that means is the greatest of you will find that place of pain and find a way to lift that person out of it. Say, look, man, if you've been through a divorce, like, I'm sorry, my heart breaks for you, but like, I'll be there for you right now, man. If it's finances, and I see Frontline do this time and time again, like people are losing jobs and all this stuff. We've got refugees who are trying to find their footing. I've seen Frontline time and time again find that place of pain. And as servants in power, pick that person up financially and say, if you can't carry yourself, I will. Spiritually. I was in that state. And I know it may be a little confusing. It may sound a little weird. And I know we just met. But I want to lift you up by telling you that Jesus Christ saved my life. And if you would just take a journey with me and go to this weird little tin can warehouse and start hearing about this guy, Jesus, we'll sit together 1.5 meters apart. That's power. That's power to lift people, not press them down. You know, it just hit me right there. I felt like that was from the Holy Spirit. When, when I said, you shall be like God's. You shall be like God's. That's, if that's in the bloodstream of humans, we're always trying to be the master. Jesus flips it and he goes, you can still be like God's. You can still be like me. I came and I lifted them up. I came and I brought them to a different place. That's my display of power. I love that. The greatest power we've ever seen is the resurrection of Christ. And for us, true power is resurrecting people to full life. That's when life gets very adventurous. Because now every run-in is a possible resurrection. What needs to be brought back to life in those eyes? Just met a neighbor of mine. Two minutes into talking to this girl, this lady, 
I saw it. I saw the place. And I was tired and I wanted to go home. Isn't that a good pastor? But I realized there's a resurrection that needs to be done in that place. God, what do I do? What have you equipped me to do? What does the church have to get her on her feet? And if power is not restoring, it's sinning. We are empowered with the gospel and the church to restore all things. That is the good news. And when he says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth in Acts 1, 1, 8, he is, and here's how it's going to look. You go like this. Well, what's the ministry? When do we, when do we show up? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make this much crazier because I believe in you guys. I'm not going to set a time when we all meet at the building and go out and do this. I'm not going to do it because we can anyway. When he says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utter ends of the earth, what he's saying is, I'm going to send you on random life missions. Call the grocery store, call PCSing, call a flight, call an airline, call Uber in D.C., call an email, call a trip to France. I'm going to create random run-ins with the hurting so you can restore them. Meaningful power participates in a story, okay? Meaningful power participates in a story. And when you engage another human being, when you have a brush with another human being and you hear their story, it's entering into that story and finding that place of resurrection spiritually with the gospel, physically, monetarily, emotionally, mentally. And when you think about Jesus, I'm going to shut this down. When you think about Jesus Christ, when you read him through the Gospels, here's what he did. He just walked randomly through villages. You guys ever see this? He randomly walks through villages, and he has these brushes with people. He has these random brushes with people. What I mean, I don't mean like paintbrushes. I mean like he has a random brush with a person. There are these crowds around him. Obviously, the coronavirus wasn't going on. But he was having these, these random brushes with people. And he's got, he's got 2,000 people crowding around him. And he's got his leaders who are going like this, get away from him. And he's going, goodness, these guys, come be a part of me, you know. And, and all of a sudden, this lady who's had this issue of blood, she's had this internal bleeding. And no doctor can heal her. And she can't work. She's got this physical infirmity. And, and she, she feels like an outcast. And if, if anybody finds out about it, and she's weak, and she's, her iron levels are terrible, and she can't get out of bed. And, and she just goes like, this his robe is right here and she just goes like this like she squeezes her hand through a couple of legs and she goes like this "Ah," in total desperation and he swings around and he goes power just left me who is it who was it the slightest brush he felt the story and I know we can't get it at that level but the slightest brush he felt the story and then moved towards him he moved towards him and I know that's not easy But nothing worth doing is easy. The slightest brush with his robe brings him to a halt. And so I want to ask you, if the power of the Holy Spirit is upon you, if you're saved, you have the power to love and restore, whether that's through your own family or through the church of Jesus Christ, man, just bring him in this mob and let us go to work. 
If the power of God is on you, I want you to write this down. I want this to be a great challenge. And I just, I think I'm going to hear stories this week and next week about this. Throw that up. What can you restore when these brushes with others happen? That's the power of God. Very different from the power of this world. That's why the church is the answer. I'm, I'm praying about this in my own life right now. Busy little bee that I am running around trying to get the church back together, but I'm having brushes with people. And we got to slow down. We got to feel them. We got to ask what we can restore and resurrect. What if all of us were doing this? What if all of you on Facebook and YouTube were going after this? Man, what would happen to our world? There's, there's supposed to be like 400,000 churches or something in America. What if every believer was doing this? You want to change things? You want a power trip? That's a power trip. So our Lord had a decision to make. He could have either maintained his place of power and authority at the top. And he would have never resurrected you back to life got under you and lifted you up or he could have stepped down from glory from power, from title and moved towards you and lift you out but he could not have both and neither can we can I ask you just to bow your heads for a minute let's pray about this and with your heads bowed Here's how the story ends. After Jesus told his guys, this is what power looks like. He ascended back to heaven. I want you to visualize that. He ascended back to heaven. And his guys stood there just staring with their mouths open. And then the angel of the Lord appears. And he smacks him around a little bit and he says, why are you standing there staring? Jesus just gave you a mission. Let's go. I love that zeal. In a time where everyone's on their heels, I love that zeal. Why are we still sitting? Let's go put power on display. Would you pray for someone to have a brush with you this week and for the radical boldness as a Jesus follower to say, I'm being called in power to resurrect some dead place in that life. Would you pray for boldness and for those brushes just all across this room, we pray. And you know, if you're watching or you're here in this room and you don't know Jesus, I know this is probably a lot. But when God dominates over you, do you know it's love? Do you know it's care?
Do you know it's gentle? Do you know it's understanding? Do you know you can have it today? You can, you can know God as Father. You can know healing through the Father. And he will set you on a new life mission to truly make a difference. And if that's you here today, this is why Jesus came to the earth to live a perfect life. This is why Jesus died on the cross to die a perfect death. To build a bridge between you and God so you could know God. He ascended back to heaven and he waits patiently now for you to do one thing. The Bible says for whosoever. That means as jacked up as you are, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall have a relationship with God and a new life mission. And if you're here and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, in the quietness of your own heart where you sit right now, ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to save you, just like that. Forgive me of my sins and save me. And just feel a wave of peace come over you. Father, I pray you set this church ablaze with zeal. I don't care about mask wearing. I don't care about the the distractions anymore. I want us to stay focused on the mission, Lord. And now, above any time in this world, the church can put power on display, power of love and resurrection for the broken. I pray that over these precious people. In Jesus' name. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If this was your first time joining us online, please head over to the contact us portion of our website and say hi. We would love to meet you. If you would like someone from our church to pray for you, please shoot us an email at prayer at frontlinecommunity.org. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry, please visit frontlinecommunity.org forward slash give or email giving at frontlinecommunity.org. Please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and rate our podcast. We hope that you were blessed today and we'll see you next week.